This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Jack Webb, as Sergeant Joe Friday, is about to take us on another adventure in tracking down the bad guys in the big city of Los Angeles. Forsey's best remembered for his role as Police Sergeant Joe Friday on the television series Dragnet in the 60s and 70s. During World War II, he joined the U.S. Army, and after leaving the military, he obtained work on a radio show about a private detective, Pat Novak, for hire. This was soon followed by more radio shows. Now, Webb had a small role in the 1948 movie He Walked by Night, a docudrama-type movie that gave him the idea for Dragnet. Having a tremendous respect for police, Webb often mentioned in later interviews that he thought real police put up with a lot of public abuse and that he created the show to show the police as heroes and perhaps make their lives a little bit easier. Webb considered remaking Dragnet a third time to start in 1983, but in December of 1982, he was stricken by a sudden heart attack and died. He was given a funeral with full police honors, including a 17-gun salute, and the Los Angeles police chief announced during the funeral that badge number 714, Webb's Joe Friday character badge number, would be retired, even though he had never served on the police force. The L.A. police later named a police academy auditorium after Jack Webb. He was married four times and had two daughters. And his first wife was singer Julie London. And now on to tonight's episode, Werewolf. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed. To protect the innocent. NBC brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to robbery detail. There's a potential killer on the loose in your city. Eighteen women have been beaten and robbed by this man. The newspapers call him the Werewolf. Your job is to get him. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime, investigated and solved by the men who unrelentingly stand watch on the security of your home, your family, and your life. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case from official police files from beginning to end, from crime to punishment. Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Thursday morning, 
February 2nd. It was raining in Los Angeles. We were working the early morning watch out of robbery detail. Detectives in Los Angeles work in pairs. My partner's Ben Romero. He's a sergeant and so am I. My name's Friday. The boss is Ed Backstrand, chief of detectives. I was on the way back from the teletype room and it was 3 a.m. when I got to room 27A. Robbery detail. Hi, Ben. What's up? Keep your coat on, Joe. Just had a hot shot call. Coming, Skipper? Right behind you. Let's go, Freddy. Well, what was it, Ed? Another woman robbed, almost beaten to death. Uh, well, how many does that make? About 18 in six weeks. Is that right, Skipper? Yeah, 18 too many. Come on down these stairs to the garage. Yeah. What about that suspect we had, Ed? You mean Martin? Yeah. Had to release him this morning. But I got a good tail on him, Henderson. Yeah. We got any reports yet? Nothing definite to hold him for. Here's the garage. Let's hustle it. Right. Then if this isn't Martin's job, Skipper, and he's not the right man... Then we start all over again, and we work night and day till we find the right man. Here's the car. Let's go. Ben, you drive. Yeah, all right. How do the victims describe this guy, Ed? Pretty sketchy. Supposed to be tall, dark, long black hair. Last woman said he had a face like an animal. Something like a dog. Or a wolf. A wolf? Yeah. She said... Something like a werewolf. Something like a werewolf. Well, he almost had to be that, judging from the way he operated. He was either an animal or a raving maniac. One thing we were sure of, he was smart and he was dangerous. For almost two months, he'd prowled the streets in a stolen car in the early morning, usually between 3 and 5 a.m., and the victims were always lone women, most of them waitresses, coming to work or going home. He dragged them into the car, robbed them, beat them until they were unconscious, and then throw the body out into the street. That's just what we found when we pulled up to the curb near the corner of 8th and Grand. One cruiser car was already there, and so was the ambulance. About a dozen people were standing around looking at the crumpled figure of a woman sprawled out on the sidewalk. Two officers were talking to the only witness, a thin, sallow-faced newsboy. His story didn't give us much to go on. Like I was telling these cops, sir, or these officers, sir, I was walking up 8th Street on my way home as usual when I see this blue Chevy sedan pull up down the block there a little way and dump out the dame's body. Well, actually, I, I don't know what to think. Did you get a look at the license plate? Well, well, no, I didn't. Believe the truth, I could hardly keep from... Well, I was just plain scared. Mm. Well, what did you do after you saw him throw the body out, son? I just stood there for a minute and the fellow in the car drove right on past me. Did you get a look at him? I sure did. How close were you when he drove past? Well, well he couldn't have been more than, well, eight or ten feet away. Uh. I was right over there by the street light near the curb. Would you know this man if you saw him again? I don't know about his height or his build or his weight, but, mister, his face I'll never forget. Why do you say that? It was just like the paper says about him. Right here on the front page. Here, read it. See? Woman says attacker looked like werewolf. That's all the newsboy could tell us. The suspect drove a blue sedan. He had a face like a werewolf. We covered the neighborhood for clues, and we questioned a dozen people, but we got nowhere. We took the witness's name and address, and, and we drove down a couple of blocks to an all-night gas station. 14 hour after that call. I'm going in here and call the office and see if Henderson's called in on Martin. We might still have a suspect. All right, Skipper. Looks as mad as a wet hornet, doesn't he, Joe? Yeah. 
Did you get a good look at that woman's face when they moved her in the ambulance? Yeah. Sure does like to mess them up. Oh, I don't know how we're going to get him, Ben, but we better do it fast. Next time, it'll probably be murder. Oh, here comes the skipper, Joe. Uh-oh. Doesn't look good. What is it, Ed? Just talked to Henderson. He tailed Martin to a bar in Long Beach. He hasn't been out of his sight for two minutes since yesterday. Martin's clear. And we're right back where we started. Yeah, with one more half-dead woman in the hospital. Well, how about that stolen car, Skip? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Get that radio up. Okay. Code 3. Ambulance dispatched. Ooh. Attention, all units, on Grand Avenue between Venice and Washington. A woman, victim of robbery and attack. Code 3, ambulance to task. Code 3, red light and siren. Come on, Friday, let's roll. Well, we couldn't be sure, but it sounded like another one. Six minutes later, we were there. Same story. Werewolf. The next day, the chief ordered the number of cruiser cars doubled in the central district. This was for the early morning watch with plainclothesmen to back them up. Then the newspapers played it big, and in two days, the story was on the front page of every paper in town. Maybe that should have made the werewolf lay low, but it didn't. Because at four o'clock that morning, while Ben and I were patrolling with the other cars, he got his 20th victim. Attention, all units. Whittier between Soto and Matthews. A woman, victim of 211, an attack. Code 3. Ambulance dispatched. Here's a report on that blue sedan he used the other night, Joe. Found it out on Anaheim Telegraph Road. Any luck with it? Not one fingerprint we can use. Anything else? Nothing. Well, how about the auto theft detail? Same old story, Joe. He steals a car, uses it once, and then drops it. Never leaves a thing behind. That's great. We're sure moving fast. How about that big guy you picked out of the lineup this morning? Oh, I checked his alibi. It's perfect. Hmm. Now we haven't got even half a clue. Yeah. Well, come on. Let's check with Ed. He's instructing the police women on a plan for tonight. All right. I have heard the reports. You understand how the suspect operates and what you're to do. I think so. Remember, all of you forget you were ever police women. Change the way you walk, the way you carry yourselves. That's the part you're playing, all right? Okay. And be careful and don't take any chances. All right, Freddy. Okay, Ed. Now, just to make sure you look the part... We're spotting each one of you at different restaurants and coffee shops throughout the central district. And from 7 o'clock tonight until daylight tomorrow, each one of you is going to be a waitress. You got that? Okay, Ben, you want to give them their assignments? Okay, Joe. Well, here's the way it lines up. Marge Kissel at the Top Hat Cafe. That's on 9th Street between Alvarado and Westlake. Okay. And Katie Wells, Joe's Coffee House, Brooklyn Soto. Right. Pat Fielding at the all-night steakhouse on Figueroa Street between Park No, the trick of using decoys to lure criminals into a trap wasn't exactly new, but... Well, it was just one of the old tricks that we figured might land the werewolf behind bars. At seven that night, Ben and I made the rounds and found each of the police women on her job as a waitress. Well, the overall plan was simple. The girls were to leave the different restaurants between 3 and 5 a.m. that morning and pretend they were walking home. We mapped different courses for each one of them to throw out as much bait as possible and yet not to make it look suspicious. Each policewoman, from the time she left the restaurant and stepped out into the deserted streets would be pretty much on her own. We had officers planted all along the way at designated intervals, but a big element of chance and danger was still there. All we could do was cross our fingers and hope. How much more time, Joe? Let me see. She's doing two minutes. Yeah. Waiting gets on your nerves. And it won't be long. This corner doorway's pretty good lookout, Spar. Yeah. Wait a minute. Listen. Who is it, Joe? Can you see? Get back. What is it? Wait a minute. 
It's Marge Kissel. There's a man following her, a big guy. If it's the werewolf, where's his car? I don't know. Maybe he changed his plans. Get back. Here they come. You to look at him, Joe? Oh, pretty good. Not too suspicious. Might be coincidence. Well, I got a pretty good lead. Come on, let's go. Stay back in the shadows. Hey, Joe. Hmm? So where'd the guy go to? I lost him. The little coffee shop up in the next corner. See? Take a look. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's opening the door. He's turning on the light. Yeah. Looks like a false alarm, Joe. Well, let's check him anyway. Well, I didn't think we'd be that lucky on the first try, and we weren't. We asked the man a few questions, and it didn't take him long to show us he wasn't our man. He owned the coffee shop. So, Ben and I went back and took up our posts again and waited for the next decoy. We covered that ten-block course six times that morning, back and forth, following the bait, but it was almost as if the guy could sense a trap. Not once did we get a nibble. By the time our last decoy finished the route, it was almost daylight. Joe, I never was so glad to see that sun come up in my whole life. My feet feel like they're puffing right up out of my shoes. Yeah, me too. Come on, let's get over to the car and check on the other squad out in Boyle Heights. Hit the radio, will you, Ben? Yeah. Joe, there must be some easier job on the force than that. Yeah, you and me both. Now, let's see what happened to the others, huh? 80K to unit 104K, come in. 104K to Unit 80K. Go ahead. 104K, this is Friday. You do any good out there? This is Miller. I'll call Curtis. Stand by. 80K to 104K, Roger. What do you think, Joe? Maybe a buy? I don't know. Oh, this guy seems to work like a mind reader. Well, he can't win all of them. 104K to Unit 80K. This is Curtis. Go ahead. This is Friday, Al. How'd you do out there? Any luck? Just checked in the last gal, Joe. Andy Welch, not a sign. Okay, Al. Have the men check in. 80K clear. KGPL. Okay, let's go, Ben. When we finally got back to the office that morning, both Ben and I were ready for some sleep, but it didn't look like we were going to get it. We just about finished going through the overnight reports for some kind of a lead when the phone rang. Robbery, Friday. Hiya, Joe. This is Wilkerson, Auto Theft. Hi, Wilkie. You got something for us? Not much, Joe, but it might work into something. He's got a report in on a pair of stolen license plates. Oh? Yeah. I'm not much of a hawkshaw, but I figure there's just a chance it might be your werewolf boy. How come? I don't know. Maybe just a hunch. After 13 years in this business, you get to know thieves pretty well. Sometimes you got to even think like them. Okay, Wilkie, thanks. We'll check by in a couple of minutes. Right, Joe. What do you have to say? Pair of license plates stolen last night. Wilkie's got a hunch it could have been our man. Well, might be an angle, Joe. If that werewolf guy'd hang on to one car long enough, we'd have a chance at him. Oh, he's too smart for that. I don't know, Joe. Sooner or later, he's going to make a mistake. Yeah. Come on, let's check with Wilkie. Well, we checked with Wilkerson. We got the best piece of news we'd had in days. On the average, 95% of stolen cars are recovered or located within 24 hours. In the remaining 5%, Wilkerson, by a simple process of elimination, narrowed down the number of cars the suspect might be driving. Wilkie figured six cars. There they are. Now, I'll bet you if you picked up your man tonight... He'd be in one of these cars. Let me see, huh? Two-door black sedan, yellow convertible, another sedan, green, blue coupe, black coupe, and a gray convertible. Plus, good work, Wilkie. At least we got something to look for now. Yeah, you're right, Joe. Uh, Wilkie, you got the numbers of those stolen plates you're talking about? Yeah, right here, Ben. They're already on the hot sheet. Good. Keep us posted, huh? As usual, Ben. See you later, Wilkie. 
It's a good break, Ben. Something to keep us busy tonight. Tonight? What do you mean? We're setting another trap. Same thing as last night. Same police women, same everything. Well, only this time, let's hope he steps into it. You know, Joe, this werewolf character is getting me mad. That night, we followed in our own footsteps. We planted the policewomen decoys in three separate districts, and a few minutes before 3 a.m., our squad of men took up their position. The same policewomen went to their waitress jobs in the same restaurants, and Ben and I and the rest of the men stood in darkened doorways or empty filling stations or whatever cover we could find. And we waited and waited. What time is it, Joe? Let me look. Half past four. Oh, thank you. Any sign, Joe? No, nothing yet. Come on, stay in the shadows. That's the way it went all through the early morning. The same plan over and over again until daylight. Ben and I had check in at the station, go over the late stolen car reports with Wilkie, catch a few hours sleep at home, and then come back and do it all over again. The next night, the next morning, the night after that, and the morning after that. Five days later, Ben and I were ready to call it quits. I'll admit it, Joe. I can't figure it. guy's either psychic or else he can smell a cop a mile away. Yeah, well, at least we got that stolen car angle left. You check with Wilkie yet this morning? I'll give him a call now. All right. Auto theft, Wilkerson. This is Ben, Wilkie. You got anything for us this morning? Yeah, I'm just going to call you. Fellas ought to let me solve your cases for you. Why? What'd you get? The boys picked up three of those six stolen cars since late yesterday. Great. Now, what does that leave us with? I hear the three still missing. Yeah. Four X-ray 763. Yeah. Five six young 342. Uh-huh. Six one Robert 385. Yeah. Got those? Yeah, thank you, Wilkie. Uh, check you later. Good news? Remember those six missing cars? Yeah. Wilkie says the boys found three of them since late yesterday. Here's what's still out. The blue coupe, the yellow convertible, and the gray convertible. Yeah. Well, this feels like the right track for a change, Ben. Righty. Romero, got a minute? Sure thanks, Skipper. Come on, Joe. What do you got, Ed? A woman out in Hollywood just called in with this. She said she walked down to the corner from her house last night to mail the letter. On the way back, a guy pulled up in the car and tried to drag her inside. Any description? Big, heavy set, dark, same thing. Well, how'd you get away from him, Skipper? She said she started running as soon as he made a motion toward her. When he saw her run up the steps of her house, he jumped back in the car and took off. Well, how come she didn't call in before then? She hasn't got a phone. She's afraid to leave the house again until this morning. Sounds good, Chief. You got her address there? Yeah, yeah. Mrs. Tom Burdick, 1237 Wilcox, apartment 10. Come on, Ben. This might be what we're looking for. Sergeant Friday, ma'am. Police. Oh, just a moment. I'm Sergeant Romero, Miss Birdie. This is my partner, Sergeant Friday. We come out to check on your call about that little trouble last night. Oh, well, I don't know if I'm going to be much help to you. I was so frightened about all I could do was just run. Well, could you add anything to the man's description, Miss Burdick? I mean, other than what you told the chief on the phone? Well, now, honestly, I don't think I can... All I saw was this tall, dark man jumping out of his car and starting for me. He had a heavy build and seemed to me, well, a large head with lots of long black hair. Uh-huh. Uh, Miss Burdick, uh, would you recognize this man if you ever saw him again? Well, 
I think I might. He was such an unusually big man, almost frightened me to death. Well, just one more question, Miss Bertie. Could you describe the car this man was driving when he approached you? His car? Mm-hmm. Why, yes. It was a gray convertible. Miss Bertie, are you sure of that? Yes, I'm sure of it. A gray convertible. Thank you, Miss Bertie. That's all we wanted to know. Sometimes when you're on a case, you can chase yourself around in circles for weeks trying to fit together just two little pieces of a yard-long jigsaw puzzle. And a lot of the time, you find the answer where you least expect it. But once you get that feeling you're after the right man in the right way, there's nothing that can shake you. When Ben and I got back to headquarters, we went straight to the chief's office with the story, and we had him stake out the gray convertible. In other words, if any detective or officer spotted the car, he reported it back to us, but he stayed away from it. We figured that there probably weren't more than two of the victims who could take the witness stand and identify the man who robbed and beat them. Not with a smart defense lawyer, anyway. So there was only one way to catch this suspect. Red-handed. Here they are, Joe. Both sets of license numbers for that great convertible. Here are the original, and here are the numbers on the stolen plate. Good. Everybody got a hot sheet? From the chief all the way down to the janitor. Fine. Now let's get together with Ed, huh? Hot shot, Joe. Grab it. I got it. On the corner of California and Oakwood, a woman badly beaten. On the corner of California and Oakwood, a woman badly... Come on, Ben. Another one. But, Joe, it's broad daylight. Yeah. Doesn't figure, does it? Come on. That vacant lot over, Joe. Two plainclothesmen and uniformed officers were keeping the crowd back. An ambulance was drawn up by the curb, but it was empty. When we got down to the rear of the lot, we found out why. They were waiting for the coroner. The woman was young, not much more than 30. Her body was half sprawled across the muddy ground, and her face was turned upward. It had been badly beaten. We figured it happened last night, Sergeant. Have the fingerprint men been notified? Yeah. How about the crime lab? Just called them. That's good. Now, let's keep everybody out of the area till they get here. All right, Sergeant. Uh, who found the body? One of the kids in the neighborhood. Owen was dead when he found her. Did she live around here? About a half mile away. I hear she's got three kids. Or she had three kids. Uh-huh. You've seen enough, Ben? Yeah. Let's get on back to headquarters. All the way back to headquarters, Ben and I planned our next move. And by the time we got to Ed Backstrand's office, we knew exactly what had to be done. When we told him about the werewolf murder, he didn't say a thing for a minute. He just stared across the room at the calendar on the wall. Then he brought his hand down hard against the desk. Friday, Romero, I'm only going to say this once, so get it straight. That guy's pulled his last job in this city. He's through robbing and beating women, and he's through with murder. I've given you time to track him down, and now I want him in. No stalls and no excuses, I want him. I don't care how many men you use, and I don't care how you get him, but get him. That's all. Ben and I worked all that afternoon right through dinner, up until 8 o'clock. By that time, the overall plan was down on paper and already in action. It was one of the biggest things we'd ever tackled, and, well, we didn't know if it was going to work. We only knew it had to work. We had a squad of 65 cars to stretch out over 40 square miles of the city in one big dragnet. The blockade itself would be stationary most of the time, and working inside it would be two cars 
14 policewomen as decoys with two plainclothesmen assigned to watch each policewoman. If and when the werewolf was sighted in the gray convertible, we'd automatically take over the police radio for the whole city and Backstrand would direct the chase from headquarters. A little after eight, we had coffee and hamburgers and we went to Ben's for a few hours. Ben tucked his kid in bed as usual and then he laid down for a nap. I talked to his wife until I dozed off in the chair. At 11.30, she woke us up. I combed my hair, put on my coat. Cops' wives are like everybody else's. They worry. When we met Ed at headquarters, we did some last-minute checking on details with Backstrand for about a half an hour, and then we were all ready to go. By five minutes past two, half the dragnet crew pulled out of the police garage and scattered over the city to their places. By 2.35, the other half pulled out, and a few minutes later, Ben and I followed. At three minutes to three that morning, Backstrand took over communications and checked every car in the operation. It was a good start. Every man in his right place by the right time. The trap was set. All we needed now was to find our suspect, the werewolf, inside. Control 4 to Unit 80K. Control 4 to Unit 80K. 80K to Control 4. Go ahead. This is Backstrand standing by. 80K. Roger. Clear. KGPL. Okay, Ben. Now let's go find him. I got a hunch, Joe. Let's try the Wilshire District first. Sounds all right to me. Let's go. For the first hour and a half, we raked the Wilshire District back and forth. Not a sign. Then about 38 minutes past four, we headed back for the downtown area and parked in an alley where we could double check on one of our policewomen decoys. Here comes one of the gals now, Joe. Pat Fielder. Bet her feet are almost as tarred as mine. Yeah. You see anything else, Ben? Nothing. Quiet as a church. No. Oh, no, no, wait a minute. Hmm? Car just turned the corner. Heading up in the same direction she is. Joe. Hmm? Joe, it's slowing down. Wait a minute. He's pulling up beside her. It's a great convertible. It's him, Joe. Come on. Ben, get down. He sees us. He's got a gun. Take off. 80K to control four. 80K to control four. We've spotted the suspect. He's driving a gray Ford convertible. License 61 Robert 385. Suspect's headed east on Olympic from Alameda. Driving without lights. Suspect is armed. He had a fast car and he knew how to drive it. We almost lost him twice. Two minutes after we sighted him, Backstrand took over full radio control. Control four to unit 80K. ADK to Control 4. We're traveling at a high rate of speed, headed east on Olympic, crossing Soto Street. Control 4 to all units. Stand by. Units 11A, 12, and 13R close in on the intersections at Olympic and Lorena. Units 41, 42, 45, and 104K move on the next four crossings east of that. To the north and south, units 105K, 14A, 17R, 43T. Lock all main arteries. Five cars in the dragnet had pulled in like a noose around a five-mile area. Ben and I hoped it was just a matter of time. Unit 80K to Control 4. Control 4 to 80K, go ahead. He's headed north on Fresno Street, crossing Whittier Boulevard. Attention all units. 80K now pursuing suspect north on Fresno from Whittier Boulevard. Units 15, 105K, 11R, and 18A block off the intersection on Fresno and 
Up there ahead. What's he trying to do now? Look, he's turning around. Yeah. Yeah, and he's coming right for us. Watch it, Joe. Look out. Pretty close. 80K to control four. Exchanging shots with suspect. Watch it, Ben. Here he comes again. Sure likes to use that gun, doesn't he? Sure does. Hey, Joe, look. Now look, he's turning east. He's running for Hollenbeck Park. Yeah, 80K to control four. Suspect just drove up over curb and into Hollenbeck Park. does look like a werewolf. Yeah. You got your handcuffs? Yeah. Okay. Got a cigarette? I've been out for an hour. Little place across the street. Maybe we can get somewhere. Okay. There's the crew from the 41R. Hey, fellas, take him into robbery, will you? Okay, Friday. I think there's a vending machine in there. Uh-huh. Say, uh, you got some change for the cigarette machine, mister? I think so. Say, uh, who was that guy all them cops were after over in the park a little while ago? I picked up the werewolf. Been reading the paper? Yeah. You fellas cops? Yeah. <laughs> sure made it easy for you, didn't he? All you cops had to do was surround the little fella in the park. Nothing to it, huh? Yeah, that's right, mister. Nothing to it. The story you have just heard was true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. Walter Barton, known as the werewolf, was tried and convicted and is now serving a full life sentence at the state penitentiary. This has been Dragnet, the third in a new series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet comes from the office of C.B. Horrell, Chief of Police, Los Angeles Police Department. Tonight's program is dedicated to Sergeant Mario Victor Dairo of the Los Angeles Police Department, who on the morning of January 1st, 1943, gave his life so that yours might be more secure. to you from Los Angeles. Stay tuned for Duffy's Tavern next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Duffy's Tavern on Theater of the Mind. 
Hello, Duffy. Tavern where the elite meet Dean Archie, the manager speaking. Duffy ain't here. Oh, hello, Duffy. Uh, tonight, Phil Baker from the $64 question. Now, take it or leave it. Yeah, that's where you stand up in front of everybody and, and ask you questions. Sort of a night court with prizes. <laughs> well, anyway, Duffy, you ought to see what I got on the menu. In honor of Phil Baker, uh, special take it or leave it dinner. Well, uh, so far, one guy took it and he left it. <laughs> but it'll be nice to see Phil again, though. He's an old friend of mine. Huh? An old friend of yours coming down tonight, too? An accountant to check the books, huh? An accountant? What a watch, yeah, Duffy. My conscience is clean. So is the cash register. <laughs> Duffy, please. Look, Duffy, this is a fine accusation. After all the years I've worked for you, I'm surprised. In fact, I'm hurt. That's all our many years of association means to you. I'm sorry. Holy cat, he's wise to me. <laughs> mm, what am I going to do? Oh, 10 to 20 years. What am I worrying about? Your old man is just trying to scare me. To... Well, why don't you show him the books and scare him back? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with them books. The books is perfect. Good evening. I am Elmer Waterprice, CPA. Oh. The satisfied public accountant, eh? You are Archie, I take it. He's Archie, and he took it. <laughs> Look, I will make yourself to home, Mr. Waterprice. Uh, here, let me take your hat and briefcase. Just a minute. All I want to do is look at the books. Hey. <laughs> I said I want you to show me the books. Can't hear a word you're saying, stranger. That's funny. I can hear them perfectly. <laughs> okay, then you show them the books. <laughs> Young man. Young man, stop that stalling. Now, where are the books? Albert, come here. You're a family man, ain't you? <laughs> Yes? You got a wife and kitties that love you dearly? Why, yes, I have. Elmer, it so happens that I'm soon going to be loaded with dough. You see, I got a picture called The Man With My Face. <laughs> and United Artists themselves is releasing it, and naturally, we're figuring on making a lot of money. Eh? Uh, yes, yes, go on. Well, I thought, uh, <clears throat> I think I got him winging. <laughs> I thought maybe if I gave you and the family a couple of passes to the picture. Young man, do you know that bribing is a penal offense? Okay, then penal me. <laughs> the books is over there in the counter. What <clears throat> a phony accountant. Here, Archie, do you think you'll find out the books don't balance? How can he miss? Things are either balanced or they're unbalanced. How do you do? <laughs> Russian. Yes? What are you doing here so early? I am inviting you to dinner at my home so you could meet my mother. Sorry, I'll have to meet her some other time. You see, um, my mommy went to jail. Oh, in that case, you can meet my father. <laughs> you mean to tell me that, that your father's in jail? Yes, they locked him up for something he didn't do. 
Well, uh, what did he do? Wipe his fingerprints off the safe. Russian, <laughs> <laughs> that, that family of yours kind of gets around, don't they? Oh, yes. Especially my brother. Every spring he goes up the river. Goes <laughs> up the river? Uh, to jail? No, up the river. He's part salmon. This is ridiculous. How could your brother be part salmon? Mother was a pin. <laughs> but you should see my sister. Your sister, huh? What's wrong with her? Absolutely nothing. She's a perfectly normal halibut. <laughs> Russian. <laughs> Russian, did you ever have your head examined? Yes, but they didn't find anything. <laughs> this I can understand. Now, where am I going to dig up some money now? Oh, excuse me. Hello? Oh, hello, Phil. Phil Baker. Oh. Huh? What? You're on your way down, but you got lost? Well, what part of town are you in? Yeah. Strolling down Park Avenue, enjoying the smell of the spring in the air? Well, um... Start walking east till the smell turns to pastrami. <laughs> okay, see you in a little while, Phil. Uh, say, Hachi, hmm? who is this Bill Faker? <laughs> it's Bill Baker from Take It or Leave It, the guy that gives away the $64 every week. Wait a minute. You're open. That's the way I can get the dose to cover the shortage on the book. Archie, you mean you're going to win as a contestant? Why not, Miss Duffy? I have a reasonable modicum of intelligence. Got common sense, a good memory. I think fast on my feet. Yeah, but you don't know anything. <laughs> oh, yeah? I can answer any question anybody around here can ask. I say, young man. Oh, it's the accounting. <laughs> yes, sir? I have a question for you. Why are all the figures in this column erased? <laughs> well, uh, you see, Elmer, uh, the trouble is with the figures, uh... You now have Sing Sing. Would you like to try for Alcatraz? Now, here's a word from RCA Victor. Last week, the curtain went up on the 75th anniversary of the National Baseball League. And the 50th anniversary of the American League. And there's no better way to celebrate than by enjoying at first hand the thrills and the clean sportsmanship that have made baseball today the American way. Of course, next best thing to a seat in the stands is a seat in front of 19-inch RCA Victor Television. Those big 19-inch pictures are clear, steady, bright. RCA Victor's new extra-powerful picture pickup gives you the best possible reception everywhere. An RCA Victor quality, so apparent in every feature and detail, is safeguarded when you buy the RCA Victor factory service contract for expert installation and maintenance. Next chance you get, take your pick of 19-inch television models now on display at your RCA Victor dealers. It's million-proof television, quality proven in over 2 million homes. Boy, this encyclopedia is full of valuable information. 
Abelard, Aberdeen, Abyssinia, Afghanistan. Hmm, let's stop it. Just listen to this. The average wind velocity in Afghanistan is 9.7 miles per hour. Hmm. And the prevailing wind direction is from east to west. Valuable information. What for? Well, if I should happen to be in Afghanistan on a windy day and the dames walk by in them loose sarongs, I'd know which corner to stand on. Well, as I've always said, there's nothing like an education. Thank you. And what you have is nothing like an education. (laughs) Oh, yeah, wise guy. Here, take the encyclopedia. Go ahead, ask me some questions. Okay. Oh, here's one you ought to know. What hit Sir Isaac Newton on the head? Mrs. Isaac Newton? You now have zero. Would you like to try for minus one? Don't be so funny. I'll uh, I'll answer the next one twice to bring up the average. Now, go ahead. All right. What is the formula for hydrogen? That's simple. Half hydro and half gin. Go ahead, honey. Hit me with another. Okay, answer this one. What is the population of Madagascar? What year? 1912. What month? February. Hmm. The population of Madagascar for February 1912 is 2,756,824. Holy cat, that's terrific. How'd you know? I don't. I'm bluffing, too. Try a Mr. $64 question himself. Phil, it's a pleasure to welcome to the tavern the the star of Take It or Leave It. Thanks. And now that I'm here, I'd like to leave it. (laughs) Tell me. Why? Because I can't take it. (laughs) For goodness sake, Archie, why don't you open that window? I can't open a window. It faces the fish market. Oh, I'm sorry. Apologies accepted. (laughs) I guess the fish market would object to the smell from here. For two cents, I'd squeeze this guy's head together so you couldn't tell it from his accordion. By the way, Phil, uh, you didn't happen to bring that uh, thing, you know, the accordion with you by any chance. Oh, yes, I have it right here. I'll play just as soon as we're through talking. Phil, let's keep talking. (laughs) Tell me, uh, how's things going since you're back on your your quiz shows? Never better, Arch. You know, you must be a very brilliant person to run a program like that. Well, one does have to know a few questions and answers. Where do you get the questions? I hold them in my left hand. And the answers? I hold them in my right hand. Then, as I understand it, your brilliance consists of rolling your eyes from left to right. (laughs) Well, occasionally I ad-lib a bit. I blink. (laughs) How daring of you, Phil. Well, if it isn't Phil Baker... Archie, what is this? <laughs> what is this? Uh, hmm. No coaching from the audience, please. <laughs> Bill, I'd like you to meet Miss Duffy. Uh, the question to a maiden's prayer. <laughs> now, how do you do, Miss Duffy? I'm uh, very happy to know you. Dollar four five zero nine eight. I beg your pardon. 
Oh, well, you're always asking questions. I thought I'd give you the answer first. <laughs> now, by the way, Mr. Baker, I have a TL for you. Really? What's the TL? My girlfriend, Tessie Lopchick. <laughs> she thinks you're the funniest and cleverest comedian on the air. Oh, thank you. Me, that's quite a compliment from a girl who can't even understand English. <laughs> and now that we've met Mr. Baker, I have a rather personal question I'd like to ask you. Yes? When you take out a girl and you bring your accordion along, which one do you squeeze first? Well, that depends on which one has the better build. In your case, Miss Duffy, the accordion. <laughs> now, beat it. Uh, say, Mr. Baker, may I interject an interjection? What? <laughs> Alexander Graham Bell and 1942. What's that? <laughs> Two answers. You figure out the question. <laughs> What's this, a fugitive from We the People? <laughs> no, Phil, it's just nature's proof that two heads is not necessarily better than one. <laughs> we call it the Mad Russian. I see. Uh, Mad Russian, how do you do? How do you do? <laughs> is that a dollar question, or are you just making conversation? <laughs> Well, let's call it the dollar question. I'll give it to you again. How do you do? Hmm. Can I have three guesses? <laughs> All right. I give up. Question, then why did you want three guesses? I don't give up so easy. <laughs> you have to excuse him. You see, when he was born, the, uh, the doctor was nearsighted, and the Russian got slapped on the head. <laughs> Mr. Baker, speaking of questions, I have one for you. What is it? Name a city. <laughs> Name a city, huh? Hmm. Could you give me a hint? Try San Francisco. <laughs> okay, San Francisco. You're wrong. <laughs> Absolutely wrong. It's Schenectady. <laughs> yes. Yes. S-C-H-E-N-E-C-T-A-D-Y. Russian, that's amazing. You just spelled Schenectady. I did. Yes. Yeah. I thought I spelled San Francisco. <laughs> Congratulations, Russian. You have just won the jerk pot. <laughs> now, Archie, how about letting me play my accordion? Your accordion? Phil, do you have to play that stomach sign way? <clears throat> it drowns everything out. A guy can't even think. Young man, I'm still going over the books, and there are certain shortages I'd like to have explained. Mm, shortages. <clears throat> Phil, uh, how would you like to thrill us with some nice accordion music <laughs> and make it good and loud? <laughs> Bye. Uh -huh. 
young man. Stop that stalling. Your books are short. Fifty-seven dollars. Fifty-seven dollars, huh? Archie, is there any way I can help you get the books to balance? Mr. Baker, you couldn't get those books to balance if you held your accordion in one hand and a parasol in the other. Fifty-seven bucks short. That stuff will send me to jail. Oh, we can't have that, Arch. Say, I've got an idea. Why don't we put on my $64 question show right here in the tavern tonight? If you win, you can cover the shortage. I'm in. Well, all you have to do is use your brain. You're out! <laughs> oh, yeah? Give me that cyclopedia. Let me see now. Abelard, Aberdeen, Abyssinia... Set. Russian, announce the quiz show. Presenting Mr. Taking It or Leaving It, <laughs> Bill Baker. I thank you. Thank and you. featuring your friend, not mine, Mr. Taking It and Lossing It Up, Archie. <laughs> All right, Archie, you're our first contestant. Let's get started. Are you ready? Go ahead, me brain is frothing at the leash. Very well, select the category. Select the category. Right away, he starts with a trick question. Oh, no, no. I mean, choose a subject. Oh, that. Uh, well, what subject have you got? Well, let's see what we have on the board. Now, there's ancient Aztec ceramics. Early Buddhist poetry, medieval Slavic etymology. Uh, how about famous salons on Third Avenue? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, we don't have that. Now, how about calculus or ancient Roman history? Ancient Roman history, that uh, sounds pretty good. You'll be <laughs> Maybe, huh? Bill, uh, ain't you got something a little more cultural? Cultural? Yeah, easy. The only subjects left are baseball and etiquette. That's right up my alley. Baseball. No etiquette. Very well. The subject is etiquette. Now, for one dollar, what is etiquette? Well, uh, etiquette is... Uh... That's correct. You have one dollar. Now, uh... Hey, I'm hot tonight, huh? How would you like to try for two dollars? You think I'm going to quit when I'm in the middle of a winning streak? <laughs> All right, for two dollars. What is a finger bowl? Oh, a finger bowl. It's adequate, huh? Mm. Yeah, that's uh, that's the thing you wash your fingers in. That is absolutely correct. Yeah. In case your fingers is full of mashed potatoes. Oh. <laughs> what are you trying to do? Talk your way back to zero? <laughs> now, for four dollars, who wrote the book of etiquette? Who wrote the book of etiquette? Uh, Phil, uh, could you give me a hint? Okay, the last name is Post. Huh? Could you hint me the first name? <laughs> no, but I'll tell you this. The initial is E. I got it. Yes? 
Edgar Allan Post. <laughs> Good. Edgar Allan Post pays you $4 for originality. <laughs> now for $8. What implement is used at the dining table for picking up lumps of sugar? Implement. Picks up sugar. <laughs> sugar. Tongues for the memory. I got it. Yeah. Bob Hope. Bob Hope picks up lumps of sugar. It ain't hay, brother. <laughs> it ain't right either. I'll give you one more chance. Let me see. An implement to pick up sugar. Hmm. Coaching from the audience, please. <laughs> Miss Duffy, please, get back to work and stop waving them sugar tongues. That's the answer. What? What you just said. Get back to work? No. <laughs> stop waving? No. The sugar tongue? Yes. Amazing how some people have trouble with these quizzes. <laughs> Bill, hit me with a $16 question. All right, Archie. Tell me, what is the largest city in Italy? Largest city in... Wait a minute, what's that question got to do with adequate? Well, what have your answers got to do with the question? <laughs> Go ahead. What is the largest city in Italy? I see, the largest city in Italy... Italy, huh? Oh, give me a home Where the buffalo roam I got it. What is it? Buffalo. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Think, Archie. Where do you have to be to do as the Romans do? Romania? <laughs> well, we'll give you credit for a near miss. <laughs> now. Shall we both try for the $32 question? Okay, Bill, we'll both try for it. But uh, leave us get back to my favorite subject of adequate. All right. Does one eat peas with a knife or a fork? That's self-obvious. One uses a fork. That's right. Just use the knife to mash him with. <laughs> How dainty. Well, you have 32. Would you, uh, would you take it? Let me see. Or leave, huh? I owe the book 57. Uh... Then why don't you try uh, the $64 question? You'll be sorry if you do. You'll be in jail if you don't. <laughs> okay, Phil, hit me again. Very well, the $64 question. This question concerns table manners. Oh, that's up the alley. Now, the King of England comes to your house for dinner. Naturally. <laughs> Where does he eat? He eats in a dining room, of course. You think I'd put the king of England in the kitchen? No, no. I mean, does he sit to your right or your left? Well, if it's the king of England, he sits to me right. That's correct. Absolutely correct. Archie, how did you know? Well, I wouldn't want him sitting around the side of the table where he can look into the bathroom. <laughs> Archie, you're brilliant. You win $64. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, Mr. Waterprice, uh, here's the dough now, so the books won't be short. And to show you the kind of a guy you're dealing with, you can keep the change. Just a moment, young man. I owe you an apology. Huh? I've made a mistake in my figures. The books are not short at all. They ain't short. You mean I worked my brain to the bone for nothing? <laughs> well, Archie, you've got $64. Now you can take out your girlfriend, Peaches Latour. What? Me going out with a striptease? Me, an intellectual... <laughs>
tomorrow evening for The Man Called X, starring Herbert Marshall, the Saturday night feature of the All-Star Festival. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Gunsmoke, followed by The Great Gildersleeve. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.